Chocolate I'm missing the most. I know I'm meant to say mum and dad, but food. Yeah, I'd kill for chocolate right now. Podcast in the history of podcasts, daring to talk about every single angle, corner, and the stuff in the middle of Australian Survivor from the very beginning right through to the modern day. It's very exciting to be back here to come to you for our very first episode for 2020. A big happy new year to all of our listeners and a big happy reminder to everybody while you're here, if you haven't already, to make sure you hit us up on all the social pages. We're on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, give us a like, give us a comment, and also remember to subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. And be sure to smash the subscribe button and give us some feedback while you're there too, so we know what you think of the show. But we are thrilled to be back for 2020 to get straight back into our episode recaps. We're here today to recap the fourth episode of Season 1 of Australian Survivor, 2002's Whaler's Way Season. And what an amazing episode we have today. We've got a lot to learn tonight, I feel. We're going to learn a lot about uh, love for chocolate, love for bees, and we're also going to learn about a variety of different uses for different types of chocolate amongst the different types of people out there. My name is Ben Waterworth. Hi guys, happy 2020. Can you believe it? It's been 20 years since we started watching the show. It's been, what, 18 years since we've been watching Whaler's Way, Season 1, Australian Survivor. But uh, Ben, I've got my chocolate ready. i tell you what, I've got, I've, I've got, let's just say this, I've got a special cherry ripe here that we're going to give a shout out to later for uh, one of the contestants, of course, on the uh, Season 1 that loves the cherry ripe just as much as me. And I should mention your name is Matt Dyson as well, just I didn't know if you wanted to remind people. if you, Unless you changed it in 2020, Matt, I didn't know. No, I'm still going by Matt Dyson. And, uh, yeah, look, uh, it's, it's great to be back here, Ben. It's um, We had a little break and uh, we're back talking Survivor. But there's so much Survivor going on coming up. I mean... It's just a plethora of Survivor going on at the moment. Everyone's getting psyched up for, you know, season 40, all winners, winners at war. And we've got uh, All-Stars Australian Survivor. But we're here to talk about season one Australian Survivor. That's where it's at at the moment. And then the other big stuff that's happening right now is that you got a year old. A happy birthday for earlier this week, Matt. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to share life with you right now. It's a weird thing to say, but it is because you're alive and you're another year older. I am, I am. Thanks, Ben, and thanks for everyone. I, I uh, appreciate the shout-out you gave me on social media, and a big thank you to everyone that uh, wished me a happy birthday. It was a uh, it was a very good birthday, especially the fact I didn't have to work, which was even better. Did you get any Swiss chalet for, for uh, your birthday or any cherry ripes at all? 
well, I, I did not. Oh, we've got a lot to talk about with that Swiss chalet, but that's for later on. Trust me, we've got a lot to talk about that. It's uh, Yeah, it's a lot in terms of chocolate this week. We had Sylvan's Fantasy World in our last episode. This week, it's all about Craig's Chocolate World. It's Craig and the Chocolate Factory, I feel, this week. But uh, before before we get into that and before we get straight back into our, um, our recap and the usual goodness that we have, just a couple of quick little housekeeping matters that we've had sort of between the last episode and here. Um, comments as always. Thanks very much for everybody who's commented and sort of let us know some feedback across um, the episodes and everything that happened. But um, just a, a special little comment here. One of our, our long-term listeners, uh, Matthew Carr, big shout out to him, of course. If people follow us on our social media pages, then they would have seen our post last week where we put a whole bunch of photos from memorabilia from the first season. That was from Matt, who sent us great photos. He owns things like Buffs, signed buffs, original shirts from the season, a torch from the season, the flag from Kadena. He owns basically all the season one stuff that you could ever want to own. And Matt sent us in a very lengthy comment uh, talking a little bit about Craig from last week's episode and sort of talking up Craig's game, talking about Katie and everything along those lines. That's a very long comment. I'm not going to go through all of it, but we're planning of getting Matt on at some point throughout this season to help us with one of the recaps. So we're going to talk a little bit to Matt about that because he does raise some very interesting points in regards to the beginning of Craig in episode three. And I think what we're going to see on this episode is, of course, a lot more Craig. And I know you and I, Matt, have talked a little bit about... Um, the slow build of Craig that maybe in those first couple of episodes of season one he wasn't necessarily as prominent as we remembered but I feel we're going to talk a little bit more about him this week and in the coming weeks but uh, if you if you want to jump in and see Matt Carr's comment uh, it was on our episode three post from a couple of weeks back but Matt thanks very much for the very in-depth comment we appreciate your insight and I'm really looking forward to talking to you more about it particularly my girl Katie with some of the things you were saying there. If you think I'm a fanatical fan of David Haas, it's nothing when it comes to how how much love and respect Matt Carr gives to Craig. He's he's Craig. I mean, he's clearly a massive Whalers Way fan, Matt Carr, because he, like you said, he he owns everything that we all want to own. I mean, the Kadena buff. Uh, sorry, the Kadena flag. Like, how good would it be to own the Kadena flag? Um, Craig's torch. He's got Joel's shirt. He's he's got so much stuff. But uh, this guy absolutely. Is a massive fan of of Craig, and he's spot on. I mean, from episode three, Craig just he he lifts another level, and uh, yeah, it's going to be great to get Matt on um, later on to a, a recap down the track. I'm, I'm loving this build up of all the fan clubs we have going. Basically, we've got you know the Matt Dyson, the president of the David Haas fan club. We've got Matt Carr, the president of the Craig fan club. We've got Ben Waterworth, the president of the Katie fan club. It's it's really building. I think these memberships are really going to be peaking very soon. And I'm just looking for any excuse to bring up David Haas's name again. <laughs> I mean, what we're only a few minutes in. We've already brought him up about three times. But uh, oh. just on that too, uh, I know prior to having our little month break over the new year, we sort of said we would either come back with a, a, a um, an interview with, with David or um, or come back with an episode four recap. I'll let you know I'm – Still in talks with David. It's just it's just a time, uh, trying to work out a time that we can all get together and, and do the interview. But uh, I can assure you he's keen and we're going to get that interview for you just as much. as I know everyone wants it just as much as me and it's going to be a brilliant interview when we do get it. And I'm basically just going to sit back while Matt has a box of tissues ready to go. So <laughs> You have the week. You have the week off, Ben. Look, 
I'll I'll just take care of the interview myself. Don't It'll worry be a about date. That. You'll be getting flowers. You'll be getting all this sort of stuff. But um, you know, I'm I am looking forward to it. And I think kind of yeah. Ideally, our goal was to kind of go episode recap followed by the interview with that boot. But um, you know, particularly with these older episodes, that really wasn't always going to be the case. So that David interview will sort of break in between some of the recaps. But we're just going to get into an absolute flow now. We're back in 2020. We want to bring you these episodes weekly. We're going to go through all the juicy goodness of season one and really bring this to you because Matt and I are pumped to be back and really get excited for kind of talking about this again. And one thing too, which I'm going to tease right now as well. So stay tuned right to the very end of the episode because this is very, very exciting. We actually have something that's never been done before, I feel, in the history of Australian Survivor. And that is a very unique piece of memorabilia that we have been lucky enough to get our hands on that you, the listener, are going to be able to have a chance to win yourself one. We have we have a, a bunch of exclusive items that we have got only for us, only here on ASA. And I am so excited for us to be able to announce this. Again, I'm going to tell you all about it at the very end of this episode. Do not skip ahead because it's kind of like Christmas Day that like if you looked under the tree for the presents beforehand and cheated, all the presents would disappear from Santa. Trust me, that happened to me all the time as a kid. So you've got to listen to all of this episode and at the very end... We will officially announce something that any fan of Australian Survivor will want to get their hands on, basically, by the end of this episode. You know we've at least got one listener that's just skipped ahead to find out what it is. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they won't realise all the fun stuff that happened in the middle. Like, I mean, gosh, that, that huge secret that we revealed in the middle of this episode that has never been announced till today about the truth about, you know, everyone from Kadena sleeping naked. Like, my goodness, what happened there, Matt? It's our own fault. Shouldn't have skipped ahead. Well, we do find out a bit about uh, something to do with their sleeping arrangements later on in this episode. So that was, that's going to be an interesting topic to talk about. I I have to say, though, that this rewatch again, and I, I can't speak volumes for this enough, that every single time I'm watching these episodes, the love and admiration and underappreciation that I am now seeing that these episodes have gotten over time is just, it's just flowing through. And I don't know if that comes purely for the fact that it's our job to sit here and try and defend them. It's our job to try and analyze these and point out that these episodes are actually really good. But we've we've come into every single one of our recaps so far, Matt, and said, this is a great episode, this is a great episode, this is a great episode. And here we are again. Um, This is a great episode. This episode, of course, is called The Struggle of Both Tribes. Um, And I think kind of it does a really good job at at doing exactly that, showing the struggle of both tribes and kind of painting, you know, some interesting characterization pictures here. This is maybe not as strong of a character episode as we've had in the other ones, not as strong as the uh, strategic elements that we've had in previous ones, but we've still got some pretty decent stuff when it comes to this episode as well, I think, in once again, setting what we're going to get for the rest of this season. Yeah, you're you're right. It's it's different to probably the last two episodes. Um, not as much content as far as, I mean, you look at episode two. It was a bit. It was a lot about um, Jeff um, building up his sort of character. Of course, episode three was a massive David Haas episode. Um, this is a big episode for the fact is there's finally a change in who's going to tribal council. Um, so. For that, it it is a big episode, but um, yeah, it's sort of where we start learning about who's not really understanding how the game's being played. Like we we definitely see that um, there's some naivety in some of the the 
contestants as far as, you know, oh, is there an alliance? I don't think so. Where others are playing pretty hard, let's be honest. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's definitely giving you a bit of foundations for what's going to happen with Lance down the line and kind of this Katie Robb dynamic of kind of who's really the puppet master when it comes to this alliance because, you know, we're really seeing Katie's side of things and that she's really in control. But I think Rob's also downplaying a lot of exactly what's going on, particularly on the Shona angle, and we'll obviously get to that. But I do love a good pre-titles scene, Matt, and we start straight away at Kadena on day nine, and we learn Craig straight away saying, don't win, we're screwed, um, talking about that we've got to shake this up, we've got to go ahead, do this. And I love this little conversation around camp when it's basically like, oh, you know, Dave's gone now. Um, oh, do you think things are going to be, you know, better around here? Do you think he's going to feel a bit cooler now? Or do you think he's going to be pissed off? And then who is it that says basically like, do you think we're going to be friends out of the game? And someone's like, nah. Um, and then the best <laughs> thing that comes out of all of this is our good old friend Sylvan, still in Sylvan's fantasy land in his confessional. Dave's gone. Just, just get over it. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm thinking, Matt. If you ever needed somebody to put you in your place, it's our man Silver, who right there is, is speaking to you there. He's, he may as well be saying, Matt, just get over it. Dave's gone. Move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I got the same feeling, actually. But uh, I, I did like that, uh, you know, for, for sort of a pre-intro. Um, you know, we see him come back to, to cut to, to camp after tribal, which is something I love about the old school Survivor. We we don't see that, especially in the Australian Survivor. We rarely actually see the events straight after tribal council when they get back. It still happens in the American one. Very rarely does it happen in, in Australian Survivor now. So I, I do. And that was always my favourite sort of part of the show is right at the start, you, you, you see him that sort of sometimes it's an argument going on when someone's been blindsided and, and the rest of their, I guess, you know, alliance is, is cut and that, that they've been blindsided. But this was good to sort of see. We initially sort of see right at the start when they're um, – they come back to the camp after tribal. And then, of course, yes, you, you said it, you know, Sylvan's little confessional about, um, oh, they just need to get over it. But uh, do you re- I reckon David would have taken – I mean, I'm, David would have taken it pretty hard, I reckon, that he, he was third out because he was there to win. I, I You know, I'm sure you – know, I, I don't know if he – I don't – from what I've spoken to David, I, and we'll find out when we interview him, I don't think he did really keep, keep uh, in contact with anyone after the show. And it is a lot different now because – there's so much social media now. Back then, we've already talked about how you know there wasn't that ease of being able to contact people. You actually had to pick up your home phone and 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 talk to people. Where um you know now we can just text, message, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. But uh, I reckon he would have taken it pretty hard. Yeah, I do too. And I think the thing that I find unique about this season, we've talked a little bit about it before as well is that it does seem that a lot of these players haven't necessarily kept in touch over the years. Uh, You know, I mean, as you said, a lot different times back then, but compare it to the US version and a lot of Borneo, Australian Outback, Africa people stayed in touch over the years and they're in the same sort of life stage with technology and everything. So it is a little bit sad that that seems to be the case, but at the same time, you can probably understand it as well. So yeah, I, I, I would think that David would, have taken it a little bit harder than some, just because, as you said, he was a bit more game savvy. We're going to get that with Jeff at the end of this episode when he kind of talks about, oh, I'll be friends with these guys for life. Uh, But I don't really think we have a lot of that inkling from David a week ago. 
<laughs> no, I mean he was disappointed because, and like I've said, I've said this a million times now. He he was there to play, and he was he was um, before his time. So um, you know, hopefully. By us doing all this now, it might help get uh, get a few of them back in contact with each other. Another thing I love about this pre-intro is Deborah's confessional. And it's the first time we hear about the famous five. The, 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 the famous five, of course, is Kadena, the five 20-year-olds that are left in their tribe. So it's the first mention we get of that. And, uh, yeah, it's a good little sort of pre-intro to the to, to this episode. Two other things of note as well. Uh, Karen drinking a can of Solo around the uh, fire. And, uh, again, if you're listening to us right now and you're thirsty, nothing beats an ice-cold can of Solo. It's a fantastic beverage. And what is the song that Deb is singing? Something about Timmy the dog or something? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I I listened to it twice, and I had have no. I've never heard it, so I was hoping you might know. I, I googled it, and it comes up with like a band or something called Timmy the Dog. But she's like na 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 na, and Timmy the Dog, and I'm like, what is this? So, if anybody listening knows the Deb song where she's singing Timmy the Dog. I mean, I'd love to find out before we get Deb on the show, but I, it's just, it's a Timmy the dog. I, I want to get it on my playlist. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. I want that song to be the intro for our episode on the Deb yes. interview. Yes. Just, I love it. Just absolutely everything out the door and we've just got Timmy the dog and we get Deb to sing it on the show. A special tribute. I love that idea. Brilliant. Yep, yep. There we go. That's that's the new research out there for everybody. Um, I we go to Tapara. I love this. I don't think I've ever really noticed it before. Sort of the the calendar that they have because you often see on Survivor they'll have like they'll do the little marking day one, day two. But they've legitimately drawn up a calendar with days of the week and dates on there. So I think that's really really clever. Um, and we kind of get a bit of a, a survival aspect here. Jeff's head's been shoved out now, so they're all getting bit, better sleep. Rob's talking about getting uh, hip hip replacements. And then we get one of the uh, the most famous little confessionals that he's never played at all to Lance ever again. Uh, of Lance basically going, yeah, no, I don't think there's any uh, alliances. Yeah, at least no one's approached me about it. Like, Lance is just the salt of the earth, nicest guy in the world. Just, yeah, nah, nah, we're all just... We're all mates. And like, can I just say, four episodes in, I don't think we've heard the word mateship used once, and this season is often painted with the mateship brush. But poor old Lance, don't you just want to give him a cuddle? And, and the thing I like about it too is Lance mentions that he, he likes Rob, and but he no one's approached him, so he, he he's, he's basically he has no idea what's going on. Later in the episode which we'll cover, Rob basically said he, he's not trusting Lance. So so Lance really is out of the loop. Like this guy, he not only does he not know alliances is going, but he's talking up a guy that seemingly doesn't trust him. So it, it's interesting. It, it's uh yeah, Lance was really sort of out of the loop. And also Rob's confessional here where kind of the alliances have been mentioned and Rob's talking about Katie approaching him and Lance not a threat. And it's, it's intriguing because we obviously talked a lot about that in our last episode recap when it comes to sort of the Katie-Rob, that alliance that was formed last episode. But here it's kind of that Rob, this is where I think Rob never gets the credit as much as he should for kind of the way he's playing this because he's kind of, even in a confessional, kind of dumbing down the fact of, oh, yeah, Katie approached me. Like Rob's just very on the ball here and kind of just playing it level-headed, whereas 
Katie's a lot more aggressive with it, which is, of course is going to kind of bite her in the end of this game, which I think both very effective strategies, because clearly that's going to get them to the end. But just Rob, even in a confessional, is just playing it almost up to the camera, like, yeah, well, Katie approached me, yeah. Well, even in that, and it's actually a, a quite... Um, it, what his confessional, Rob, is very important at this stage because he's actually saying that he's a, he's a little bit wary of Katie. He, he's he's basically not sure if if she's playing him or or if she's genuine. So, and of course, we know what happens later on where he he does the strike first on her and gets rid of her, and it, which leads to one of the greatest endings of all time. So, but it shows you we're episode four now. This is day ten, and he, he's. He's wary of her. Like he's just—he's just not a. He knows she's playing hard. He want. I think he wants to genuinely work with her, but he's—he also doesn't want to let his guard fully down, and that's what makes him so good. This is what makes him one of the all-time great players of Survivor in the history of any, you know, any season, any country. Um, he's never willing to fully let his guard down, and and he's 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 day ten, and he's wary of Katie. Absolutely right, and I think you summed that up perfectly in in never letting his guard down because I think it's all well and good to say Rob had an easy win because he's on an early season when alliances don't change up and he sort of got into an alliance early on and then boom, that's it. I I would go out on a limb and say Rob had a harder situation than the Targi 4 did on Borneo because at no point did the Targi 4 ever really get a threat when it came to other people trying to switch things up, that um, the Tapara four face when it comes to Craig coming onto them after the merge here. I know that's probably a bit of a stretch in terms of different scenarios, different situations, but I think you've got to analyze that aspect of Craig. So Craig really shook, shakes his pot in this game, particularly when it comes to Katie. And I know that's something that Matt Carr definitely talks a lot about with Katie's emotions and maybe you know, Katie's effectiveness as a player is kind of rattled a little bit with there, which we will obviously get to that when we come to that episode. But Rob's got to face that side from Craig. Then you've also got to look at this internal stuff he's got with Katie. And then kind of Katie later on with Sophie trying to switch things up a little bit when it comes to uh, getting Joel on either side and kind of a very, you know, tense situation, which basically seals the game later on. So, yeah, I think what you're saying there in Rob just kind of just level-headed, he's got to look at all angles. But we even get a, a confessional in this episode, which is so important with Lance, when Lance basically is talking about, like, oh, I'm going to... Oh, is it? No, it's Jeff, sorry. When Jeff's basically like, I'm going to check with Rob. Like, it's kind of like early on, day 10 to 12, it's like, I'm going to check with Rob, see if it's okay for me to do what I want to do, and yet no one's even thinking about getting rid of Rob at this point. <laughs> oh, absolutely if that that would be the problem if if you know if rob's style of play now playing in this era a lot of people would be thinking hey this guy's a real big threat like you know even by day 10 they'd be like geez do we do we take him out you know in the next couple of votes or what do we do at this stage you're 100 right like jeff this is like a 50 what 52 year old police officer is having to go and check with rob that's how much power rob's got he's got the oldest guy in the tribe having to go and check with Rob about what his next move is. So it just shows you, you know, how well Rob is playing. But what I like about it is the next confessional, which you flip over to Kadena, is Sylvan. And basically this <laughs> classic Sylvan comes straight out and he's basically having a bitch about, 
I've been put into challenges that I haven't even wanted to do and it's been against his will and you know, and basically complaining that saying like that's why they're losing because he's having to do stuff he doesn't even want to do well mate this is survivor this is you know your team's getting hammered you know you might need to step up here you know you might need to do stuff that you're not actually wanting to really do but you know maybe that's the issue with what Kadena's struggled with these last well, these first 10 days and i think it's always important to mention the word context when it comes to watching this because again even just with what Sylvan's saying here and then going back to Rob's kind of control and people looking up to him is that it's so easy for any modern Survivor fan to watch this now and think people are stupid or you know why aren't these people targeting all this kind of stuff but again you've got to look at Survivor in 2002 this is what certain people knew the game wasn't played any differently you got into an alliance and then you kind of you knew that the smartest thing to do was to stick in a strong alliance till the end and you will get to the end you know if you complain like sylvan is right now no one was still getting voted out for complaining you were getting voted out because you were not good in challenges and sylvan's really proved himself even though sylvan's complaining a lot it's 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 fascinating to think that Sylvan is still going to be in this game for how much longer, considering that he's going to complain and, oh, I want to quit and boo-hoo-hoo-hoo for the rest of, you know, how long it's going to go. So, as always, we're going to sound like broken down records whenever we bring this up, whenever we're doing these recaps, but it is so vitally important for modern Survivor fans to understand the word context at this game because I think, again memories are tainted of this season from thinking about it a certain way and never reliving it and going back to kind of really looking at things. And the the Sylvan aspect here, you know, saying that I'm being putting in here tired against my will. And like you just mentioned it, it's kind of, this is kind of a bit of an ideal idea and look into why Kadena suck. And yet Tapara, mm. what are we going to get soon? We're going to get Katie's little speech about the reason why we're winning is because of teamwork. We're always a team. They're a hundred percent correct. Because, sure, Kadena are going to win a challenge this episode. They're going to win immunity. Yippee. What are they winning? A driving test. Like. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, I've got so much to talk about that. Don't Sorry. worry about that. Sorry. Can we just reiterate? <laughs> We're going to see a driving test in this episode, folks. Survivor challenges. Here we go. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about Sylvan and the fact that, you know, how he's just basically saying he sucks at challenges and he doesn't want to do them and he shouldn't be doing them, but he's been made to. But Deb's on to it. You know, like Deb says in her confessional that Sylvan is not mentally strong. She's fully aware that this bloke is really struggling mentally, like just with everything. He, he You know, and, and that's pretty clear. So De- Deb's on to it, but Deb's also, she knows Craig's, Craig's a leader of this tribe. He, he is. I mean... And and Deb mentions it that 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 Craig has the smarts and and we see that over these next you know five or so episodes that that Craig he comes out to be the leader and he should have been the leader from day one. I reckon if I reckon if Craig stepped up in those first couple of days and said you know follow me you know um, I'm going to take charge. I reckon Kadena do a lot better. But it was in the end it was by the time he came out to be the leader it was too late. And I think too that. They flourish a little bit for a moment here too, Kadena, without the older people. And I think, like, yeah, we've talked a lot about kind of the the age dynamics and, you know, we've spoken that with, you know, our guests that we've had on the show with with Lucinda and Jenny and all that kind of thing. But I think realistically, Kadena kind of are at their peak here with the younger group and they they gel together better. I mean, this this episode shows us a lot about how well they're gelling together even after losing this reward challenge we're about to get to. 
And okay, realistically, you think, well, that's a bit of a stupid thing to say, Ben, because they're ultimately, they're only going to win one immunity challenge and then that's it. But moving forward, it's really going to be interesting to analyze how close they actually get because without Deb's injury next week, they probably win. The the challenge where it's kind of Sylvan and that reaching for the the bloody, whatever it is, a pole thing in the sand, it's super close. Like, I don't think they get whitewashed from this point on. So I think kind of, it's a little bit too late for them, sadly. But this younger dynamic, I think, works a lot better for them. And they do seem to be a better, more coherent tribe with this group of five than they did ultimately with Tim, David, and Lucinda as part of the tribe. So at the end of the day, I think it kind of actually worked out better for them. Just sadly, they just lucked out, unfortunately, with the challenges from this point on. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Ben, because it's all good having a young tribe and you might get around at camp. But, you know, you can have a young cricket team and you all get along after the game, but are you winning games? You know, you you need experienced level heads. You need, you know, sometimes an older person, you know, can, can help you in other ways. You don't, just because maybe they can't talk to you about the same sort of stuff when you're sitting around camp doesn't mean that they're not going to add value to your tribe to help you actually win and stay away from tribal council. And Deb actually mentions it later on in this episode. And I won't go too in, much into that now, but Deb's actually aware of that too. Yes, she's all great. Yep. You know, we've got the famous five, but even she's questioning, is this actually a good thing? So she's, she's a smart woman. She's seeing that. Oh yeah, it's great. We're, we can all talk about the same stuff, but does it get the job done? Well, it doesn't. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. I absolutely agree with you. I think my point is is that I feel Kadena themselves work better now. Like, as in, the challenges that they lose from this point are a lot closer, and they actually get very close to winning each of the immunity challenges after the one they win, whereas I don't necessarily think with those older members they gelled. If they had, have, say, taken out some one of the younger ones instead of, Tim or instead of David, for sure it might have actually worked out. They might have gelled together. But I just think that what I see from what we're seeing on our screens at this point is they've got rid of those three. They seem to be a much happier, more, you know, together tribe now. But I absolutely agree with you. I think that that's not necessarily what I'm saying I believe in, like get rid of the oldies and keep the youngies. I definitely don't agree with that. I just think in this aspect from this point on, Kadena work better they just don't have that luck for their way and it's very close from this point on no i I definitely i definitely understand what you're saying and i and i see that because we actually see that in in the pre-intro like it's pretty obvious the fact that they're they're pretty happy they got rid of david because they believe that 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 they got rid of what the the tension in the group you know they they think by removing david it's sort of everyone else is now relaxed we can now all get along and obviously they felt with him that that they couldn't be themselves or they were always a bit worried about what he was up to. So yeah, I definitely, I understand what you're saying. And, and they believe now that, yeah, we, we've got the, 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 the famous five, they're aged between uh, like 22 and 29. So they can all relate to each other. And, and they believe that, yeah, we have now got the best tribe we can possibly have for Kadena. As we know, it lasts all of one week. It does, sadly. Um, before we get to the Raw Challenge, um, you mentioned Deb's confessional. I love her shit. We're going to get our shit together. Like, we're back to the shits. And Naomi, just a bit underrated here, Naomi, with some of her confessionals. I do love her, we're going to go out there and kick their ass and stick it up them. Like, 
God bless you, Naomi. I've never really appreciated you for some of the things you say, and that was a fun little one to say. I do love the um, the tree mail here. All at sea for a treasure you'll be. It's a salvage job for the chest you see. One must dive to the depths for the looty. Unlock your unlock your rewards and discover the booty. And I do love when they get it. Sylvan. Ooh, a figurine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that just, I just love Silver just going, oh, a figurine. <laughs> oh, he's, bro, I know, he's brilliant, isn't he? So, like, all these years later, I mean, oh. yeah, you can see why he got on the show. Like, like, And I've said this, and I don't mean any disrespect to Silver, and I really hope we get him on the show down a track, and I love the fact that he was on this show, but I still stand by that he, he isn't built for Survivor. He's no. not, but... But I still think it's a great, a great casting. <laughs> oh, he's just so yeah. And we we get some good Sylvan stuff this episode. Yeah. So we've seen that the the tree mail or whatever they call it. I don't think they actually call it tree mail, do they? I forget what they actually call it. But um, I, I one thing I've I've sort of written down on my notes here. We we, we go we cut to the reward challenge, and I, I there's some great cinematography some great shots of the, the water and the team entrance i think it's from from memory i think because they, they kind of come both teams come from the side like its respective side sort of going into lincoln and there's like a bit of a, a tree thing sort of in the middle and the, the it's just a great angle i just i just i wrote it down in my notes so i thought oh, that's, that's actually really really good i really enjoy it there's a couple actually like that i think there's one for uh, a bit later on in the episode where they do a big sweeping aerial shot which is amazing too and it is good because you sort of see that better side of whaler's way and the water looks really turquoise and you know so it's, we have often bagged the location at times about you know like but there were some really nice aspects of it too which look good on on camera no I, I agree i think definitely this episode showcases it a lot and i love kind of before we go to the ad break and they do those quick little flashes of the chest and the water and the keys we've got that dun, dun, music like and this is the thing channel 10 if you're listening hi how you doing good to good that you're tuning in and acknowledge that this exists before your version uh but this is dramatic music done okay it's just a couple of and then it's like go to an ad break this week on burke's backyard like i think that was still on in 2002 whatever none of this like here comes matt walking into a challenge like the most dramatic thing in the history of the world. Like there is a there is a balance. Like okay, make the audience feel the tension, but this isn't World War Two. Like Hitler's not going to come out and you know give a speech. Like it's there is a there's a balance. Calm, dramatic, over the top, dramatic. Watch this one. It's better. I'm not sure if you're actually allowed to mention Don Burke's name anymore, but anyway, <laughs> that's another story. That's, that's for another podcast. Um, Hang on, uh, Matt, Matt, no, Matt, 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 Allegedly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, they did a number on him. Uh, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> he did a number on a few other people. Allegedly. <laughs> so, with the Tapara... So, Tapara have to sit three members out. So, once again, as we know, they, they never actually tell us who's sitting out, but it's Joel, Rob, and Shona. So Rob's, he's been sitting out a few of these um, challenges, which I, I keep thinking is surprising because he's clearly the leader of the tribe. He's clearly probably, no, he is the best as- athlete on their tribe. But um, once again, they, um, he sits out. 
It's a bit surprising. The only um, full immu- uh, no, they do win another award, don't they, Tapara? Um, but this is a real opposite episode because kind of the generally Kadena are winning the rewards, Tapara winning the immunities, but um, Tapara will win another one. But uh, I don't mind this challenge. Basically, they've got to swim out, get a chest, bring it back in. One key will unlock it, and um, that's kind of it. It's a pretty easy win in the end for Tapara. Uh, before we get to some amazing stuff at the end of it, I should mention that, of course, the challenge is for a face mask and snorkel. And just let's let's bring back the hang on hang on Matt I know you you begging for this but let, we've got to get calm Lincoln out here and we'll even throw in some Cadbury chocolates and oh, we've got some chopper chops as well like car Lincoln you're so calm and great and love it but I just I love Lance's budgie smugglers I think a special note to Lance's budgie smugglers they're looking pretty good and then Matt if you care to open your lovely here we go. Oh, Cherry Wright being opened right now on the microphone. And can you give us your best Shona impersonation of when she realises what chocolates are in that chest? <laughs> it's a Cherry Ripe! <laughs> I just, I just, let me have a bite of my Cherry Ripe first. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Cherry Ripe too, so I made sure for this episode I got a nice original Cherry Ripe, which I'm going to uh, enjoy now over the next couple of minutes. He, he's literally chewing into it right now. I wish you could see this. But, yeah, good old Shona here basically like, a cherry ripe, cherry ripe. And then we hear the words, I'm a serious cherry ripe fanatic, which I don't know if those words have ever been uttered since. And we should we should point out because you and I, Australian, we love a cherry ripe. It's a great chocolate. It's actually not a chocolate that some people might not be aware of, or might be aware of, I should say, because I remember in the Survivor Oz days, Philip Shepard was a massive cherry ripe fan and they could not get it over in the US. And we sent him over some cherry ripes. So it's a it's basically dark chocolate coated cherry flavoured mixture stuff. Not like a Dr. Pepper. It tastes nicer than Dr. Pepper, but it's it's good. It's cherry ripe's good chocolate. The fact I now know that the specialist loves a cherry ripe, I, I love them even more now. And actually, uh, I'm a bit of a fan of the dark chocolate cherry ripe too. That's not too bad either. But I'm eating an original Ben. I think you need a screenshot for the viewers here just All to right. show them that I'm okay. enjoying a nice Hang on. original This is live happening right now. Just hold up. Give me a big cheesy grin, Matthew. There we go. That's it. All right. Let's see if that worked. People at home are going to be able to see this on our social media. Oh, look at that. Matt looking as happy as I've ever seen him before on this show. So, um, yeah. But, but anytime someone's talking about being a, a what was a fanatic about a chair, right? No, Shona was great. She was, she was loving it, loving the fact that they won the chocolate. I tell you what, but Matthew, she didn't even have to do anything for it because she wasn't even in the challenge. So true. that's even better. I don't know why I'm calling you Matthew so much right now, but I'm I'm using your full name here for a moment because I just had a, I had a brilliant idea, and this goes to those wonderful people who did not skip to the end of the episode to hear what we're teasing with. (laughs) This is a a, a gentle push in the right direction that the post of Matt smiling, broad smile with a cherry ripe is the post you need to remember to like and share when it comes to potentially winning something later on. There we go, Matt. Your face is going to be shared all over social media with you and your your cherry ripe. You're going to make Philip Chev happy. Shona's going to be happy. Cadbury's are going to be happy. And the winner of our prize is going to be happy as well. Every Everyone wins. Everyone's, everyone's happy. Well, I'm Oprah. happy because I'm eating a cherry 
I'm happy because I'm eating a cherry ripe on air right now, so that's just, life doesn't get any better. And I'm still on the keto diet, and I'm getting sad. But uh, this is, I, I love this is the happiest I think we've seen Shona, and maybe the happiest we will see her. I mean, we were happy seeing naked Shona a couple of weeks ago, but here we are with like just absolutely mad Shona loving it, and mixed in. This is Katie's little, you know, we win because we're a team, and we're great because you know we're Tapara and woo. Um, but this is then going to lead us into what is so fantastic about this whole sequence, right? We have Shona's cherry ripe love, and you think that's enough? That's all we need for chocolate in an episode of Australians, but we don't need anything more. But then we get our good old friend Craig. All right, now, now Matt, let's set the scene here. All right. We have Craig back in camp. Kadena lost again. Sad. Craig's sitting there for a confessional. Now, Craig's a nice guy. He's a good-looking rooster. You know, he's, he's out there. He's playing Survivor. Didn't know he had a bit of murderous tendencies because he then says he would kill for chocolate. And then he says, I miss chocolate the most. I know I meant to say mum and dad, but no, it's chocolate. So... Don't know what I feel about this, but then it gets better because Deb drops in a bit of a confessional about, yeah, Craig's a bit devo. You know, he knows the use of every single chocolate. Now, now, Matt, I've written this down. I don't know if you've written this down. Have you written it down? Oh, I've, I've written it. Right. You better believe I've written it down. All right, I'm giving so this to we, you then. So we, the we're going to go through each chocolate? You are going to tell me and the listeners the use, because this is very important for people listening to us right now, that everyone knows here the rules for chocolate in Australia, okay? This is Craig telling us the rules. Okay, so rule number one is the snack chocolate. So that's that's the chocolate that you take to someone's house if you don't know what they like. <laughs> so obviously, for those who don't know, I'm sure you all do, but if you don't know, snack is where you've got a bunch of different flavours inside the block of chocolate. So it could be, you know, it could be a pineapple flavor or caram- caramel, caramel, flavor kind of stuff. Yeah. Gooey. Yeah. There's a strawberry in there. I think mm. there's is there a peppermint possibly there in there. Is, I know there's yes. a strawberry. So it, there's different flavors and there's always, I was never a pineapple fan. So, and they have like the shapes on the block so you can sort of see which one's going to be which. So I would always avoid the pineapple. I like the caramel and the strawberry. And yeah. So that's the chocolate that you take. It's like now, don't they say it's like the favourites chocolates? It's like the chocolates you take when you don't, then they tell you not to bring anything. Well, apparently snack chocolate, when you don't know what they want, you take snack chocolate. Fruit and nut. Now, I have to disagree with Craig here because I am a massive fruit and nut fan. Like, I love fruit and nut. That is my chocolate of choice. I, I, I fruit- just got to interrupt and say I, I completely agree here with Craig. But um, yeah. anyway. <laughs> you, you agree with Craig, not me. I, I, I'm partial to fruit and nut. Don't get me wrong. But to me, fruit and nut's the chocolate I give my name for Christmas. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till you show the clip of social media of Craig actually giving the rundown. of This is going to be brilliant because it's, it's better than me giving the rundown of him. But anyway, so fruit and nut, he says... He, rule number two, fruit and nut, it's the chocolate you take to someone's house that's over 55. How old did you turn this week, Matt? <laughs> he says, because that's just the way it is. That's how he describes it. It's just the way it is. That's, if they're over 55, you take fruit and nut because it's just the way it is. So I disagree with him because I'm a massive fruit and nut fan, always has been. My brother is. We, we love fruit and nut. Okay. The next one is... Something I actually had to Google because I had no idea what it was. And I actually had to rewind it a couple of times. I've never heard of that. But apparently, Ben, we've spoken about it. Do you want to talk? Do you want to mention this one? Swiss Chalet. 
um, which, as Craig says, is you just chew it on the spot. It melts in your mouth, and you're left with a little bit of toffee left. Now, you, you've you done your research on this, um, and I'm impressed because I actually remember Swiss Chalet. Swiss Chalet was good bloody chocolate, but it doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's in the Lay's Hall of Fame of products that did exist, that we thought existed and apparently don't exist anymore. Well, we're an archives podcast, and and we go all the way. We don't just stop at archiving Survivor. If something pops up in the episodes, we'll gladly get on Google, do our research, because we're all about archiving not just Survivor, but the products mentioned in the show or shown in the show. So I had no idea what this chocolate was, um, obviously because I was buying fruit and nut instead of Swiss chalet. <laughs> so basically, and I found it's actually quite an interesting story. So I Googled it. it it's It's... A Toblerone style chocolate, so it's 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 a honey and nougat in in uh, in chocolate. So it's it's a Toblerone, but it's Cadbury's version of that. It's it's basically a, a knockoff of of the Toblerone. In 1997, over in the UK, uh, the Swiss uh, chocolate company, so obviously one being the Toblerone, or who make Toblerone, they sued um, Cadbury for using uh, the the. The fact that they write on their Swiss chalet because it's not Swiss chocolate, but they they were trying to pass it on as as Swiss chocolate, and they actually won. So they gave them two months to uh, get rid of all their product and and uh, not um, and not sell it anymore. And and since then, Cabri have, have never done it since. And actually, from googling it too, they're still on Facebook. Within even the last two years, people are still getting on there saying, "Hey, Cabri." Can you bring it back? We want it. Where? What's happened to it? So Craig would be happy if you brought it back because he's a big fan. But uh, the best you can do now is is get a a Toblerone, which I actually have right in my hand right now, just to uh, bring back the memories of of a chocolate that I never got to eat when I was younger, which is the Swiss Chalet. I see. It's weird that I remember it because if it got discontinued in '97, I would have been like ten. So um, obviously, I have very fond memories. See, they they could release it, re-release it, and call it like the Craig Abbott Special Edition. I think that would go down well. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny how, the, you know, it shows you how times changes, doesn't it? Uh, Kids these days on, don't appreciate chocolate. 23 years on and we're, we're talking about Cadbury's Swiss Chalet, thanks to thanks to Craig. But anyway, so, yeah, so you summed up what you do with that chocolate. That's, uh, yeah, you let it melt in your mouth and then you, you basically eat the bits that are left. Uh, this is another one of my favourites, the Caramello and Peppermint. So it's pretty straightforward what you're going to do with that. So for those of you that know, that's where you've got the gooey stuff inside the chocolate. So you just suck it until all of it explodes inside. So you basically put it in your mouth, suck it, and then you let all the caramel or the peppermint, whichever one you get, just sort of come out. And uh, I want I want to take fan. that I want to take that clip and put it in isolation and just get people to guess what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, that's a good advertising for our podcast. Hey, listen to this clip that Matt says. You suck it and it explodes all over your face. <laughs> I think you added in the bit better on your face, but anyway. I'm uh, pretty sure there was a mention about it exploding on your face. Just just putting it out there. Happy birthday, Matt. Oh, I'm going to get stitched up here. Um, <laughs> so, And the last one he mentions, which I'm not a fan of, I don't know about you, Ben, but he's saying the best of all, was the Black Forest, the, the Black Forest chocolate. I'm not a Black Forest guy. Like I said, I'm fruit and nut and caramello all the way. But uh, he's saying you microwave it for two minutes, stir it all up, and then you eat the cherries and biscuits out of it. So I don't know. I c- Can we get a listener to maybe try that? Someone that likes a bit of uh, Black Forest just for old time's sake and 
Uh, well, mate, you know what? Maybe Matt Carr should do it. Seeing he's a massive Craig fan, maybe he should try microwave it for two minutes, see what happens. I'll tell you what, Matt Carr, if you give us a video of you going through the motions when it comes to some of these chocolates, particularly the Black Forest, we will give away one of these items that we have got to you exclusively. I like that. I like that. I reckon it's only fair. He owns his torch, so why not let Matt put it to the test? He said, Craig says it's the best of all. I've never tried it. I don't like Black Forest, so I'm not going to do it. Matt, I think you need to step up here, mate, and uh, do a video of the, the two minutes of you in the microwave and see if you can eat the cherries and the biscuits out of it and see if it really is the best of all time. See, this is one thing that I just want to put out there as well, is the fact that has Australian Survivor ever been this educational before? I mean, we learn about cookies and Jericho and stuff. Great, cool, cookies. But they've given to him in the jungle. This is just Craig telling us the rules about chocolate. Uh, I mean, these are rules to live by. I'm still a little offended that he thinks fruit and nut is for people over 50. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit offensive. A little bit offensive. No, I have to agree with him. I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a great scene, though. Uh, just some of the, the real, like, I guess, under underappreciated comedy of season one. And there's another great moment, which we're about to get to very soon when it comes to the bees, which I think is it's fantastic. We'll, we'll get to that. But um, Matt's chewing on his cherry right now and told her own, so I'm, I'm very jealous at the moment. Um, Tapara are fishing, meanwhile. Um, Katie's talking about uh, her alliance. I do love this woof-woof code that she talks about here, the woof-woof code of Katie Gold, something very underappreciated there. And I do love Sophie here where it's like, oh, it makes you feel a bit yuck, but it has to be done. And this is, again, where I think the C word needs to be used. The word is context because alliances were still perceived as a dirty thing in Survivor in 2001, 2002. Even in Australian Outback, they were kind of seen as a little bit dirty. So, again, if you're watching this through your eyes of 2019, 2020 modern Survivor, think back to 2002 when this really was how it is. It's, I guess the easiest way, as always, to try and explain something like this is imagine in 10 years' time you're watching Survivor and the way to win is, I don't know, knocking someone out. That's a rule you're allowed to do. Boom. Whereas now, you think, well, that's just stupid and dumb. No one ever do it. It's against the rules. Ooh, that would make me feel gross. I don't want to assault someone live on TV. It's a bit outlandish, but who knows what's going to happen in 10 years. 10 years ago, Donald Trump was never going to be president, and here we are. But this is what I'm trying to say, is that, like, at the time, this was legitimately how Survivor was. Alliances were a little bit icky. I don't really want to do that. That's the whole mateship context that we still are going to get to eventually. So it's very important to realise that Katie was very ahead of the game here. Rob was very ahead of the game. And this is where, if you're trying to sell great game players of Australian Survivor, Katie Gold, Rob Dixon have to be involved in that conversation. One thing I absolutely love out of this little passage of um, of play here is... Uh, it's from Katie's confessional. I mean, she we all know she's just so many great confessionals throughout the season. But I really like this because it, she says, I know I can automatically grab Shona, uh, grab Shona like this. And she clicks her fingers. You you, you hear it off, off camera. She clicks her fingers. And then you can say, you can assume Shona comes with me. 
if I invite her. Yeah. Like, brilliant. Basically saying, like, this is, we're talking about Shona here, who's like, you know, like big personality. And here's this 24 year old, she's got that much courage to say, you know what? If I choose to bring Shona over, she'll come over like that. Like, that's a pretty big statement, but she, she just, that's how hard she's playing. I love it. And this is the thing, too, that's also really great about this alliance because it's the fact, faction in this alliance that we know are building here because we know Rob and Shona are close. We know that, and Rob's kind of just playing it cool here, kind of acting a little bit dumb. Katie, we know, is close with Sophie, and then kind of, you know, Joel ultimately will become part of this, but he's not really there at the moment. But it's just kind of great that you kind of got these factions, and that's really important in this season because, again, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to get to, is it the penultimate episode, when it's kind of really lines drawn in the sand. We've got two on either side with Joel in the middle. Who's going to go? Boom, that's what's going to decide how the final four turns out. So it, it's it's fantastic here. It really, really is. And... Yeah, like, as you said, we've got this 24-year-old being so brash about Shona. And it's just, it's the legend of Katie Gold. Like, this is, again, I often am trying to put this in comparison to Borneo. But, like, if you analyse the Targi 4 and the Tapara 4, I, I don't even think you can compare Katie to anyone because Katie and Kelly Wigglesworth are the obvious comparisons. But Kelly Wigglesworth didn't really have much of this strategic sway in the game. She was very flip-floppy, wanted to leave the Alliance, come out of it, and all this sort of stuff. And Katie mentioned something very important here about the merge, that people might flip-flop over to the other side. Again, never perceived in Survivor at that point as well. So once again, the context word, and to even think that Katie is forward-thinking the possibility of flip-flopping, which has never been thought about at that point in Survivor. Again, Katie Gold, hashtag bring back Katie Gold, so ahead of the game, Katie, my queen. What I also love about all this is while all that's happening and Katie's, you know, telling him how easily she can bring in Shona and all that, you've got to watch Rob. It's really important that you sort of watch Rob's reactions and his facial expressions. He's just sitting there. He, he's, he's playing dumb. He, he just yeah. he acts like he's willing to just participate in and be a part of whatever Katie says. Like he, He's just and, – and we all know, like we know that – that uh, already that Rob and Shona have have striked up a very close friendship and alliance. Um, obviously, Katie doesn't realise how close that alliance is. But, you know, because Rob could easily have just said, oh, well, you know, I'm tight with, with Shona. Like, she, she's, you know, but he's just sort of like, oh, okay, like, oh, yeah. Like, he's just acting dumb and, and just like, oh, yeah, well, I'll go along with that or whatever you say. Yeah, that's great plan. And that's, once again, it's what makes Rob so good. Like, he knows that, well, hang on a sec, I'm probably in a better position than you are with Shona. But, hey, if you think that, I'm willing to let you think that you're in the, the lead position, no problem. And I really want to actually give some props to the editing here, which is something that we don't often do. We often have the, the more critical things we are is around the editing. And there's lots of reasons around that. We've talked about it. But I think what's really good about the editing here is that they're showing this clear as day. We're getting this characterization. We're getting these seeds sown for what's going to happen later on. Australian Outback is often criticized a lot for the lack of gameplay when it comes down to the end of the game that it it didn't really sell the Colby-Tina partnership. A lot of that came out post-game. It was never really sold that these two were a tight alliance from very early on in the game. We're seeing this very early on, and it's very important to really pay attention to this conversation here because, again, this is what's ultimately going to completely make this season into what it is by the end. So real props to the editing here around selling this story very early on 
because it's subtle, it's small, and I think, sure, if you're watching this in 2002, you're not really focused and paying attention to how you are today. And this is where I will say a modern perspective really helps in analysing this episode into really seeing what they're doing. But this is a real high note for the editing of this season, just some of the stuff we're seeing early on here. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. And, um, you know, we definitely, you know, I like the fact that we know that that Shona and Rob are, are really close and that we already know that, that Katie's, uh, you know, well, she, she's not scared to speak up. And, I mean, to some extent she is running it as well because she's uh, she's got her plans in place. I also love the fact that they show, they're show showing other sides of the tribe as well, which because that, that we see another um, sort of, uh, we see another sort of, um, Chatting point, I guess, where Jane and Katie are together, and Katie's asked her straight out. Like, this is so funny. Out, like, do you do any housework? And, and Jane's like, oh, I make my bed, and, and Katie's like, sometimes. really? <laughs> so funny. So we're seeing the other relationships as well. So we're we're seeing the relationship with with you know, obviously Shona, Rob, Katie. It's very. That's all about. You know how we're going to get ourselves to the end, and and then how they're talking with Jane. It's just you know like, do you actually do anything? Like, do you do much at home? And she's just like, oh, I make my bed. <laughs> what is actually really funny about this episode is this episode really brought us down to let's shit all over Jane and make her look terrible. And poor old Jeff is the one who's going home because when we get to after the immunity challenge, there's some amazing stuff about just shitting on poor Jane. But I just love this scene. Like, I feel you're underselling this because it's just like Katie's just like it's kind of like the way the music changes slightly, and we've just got Katie like, yeah, so do you do any housework? And Kate, Jane's like, yeah, yeah, and goes, oh, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I make my bed. And Katie's like. Oh my god! Like it just the way the music's played, it's kind of like dun, 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 dumb old Jane, <laughs> and she washes the car sometimes. <laughs> but like, I feel really bad for Jane actually because like they make a point in tribal council to mention like she's eighteen, she's young, and like I think it's a little bit unfair. I mean, what eighteen-year-old is doing anything more than making like everyone at eighteen is like, oh sure, mum, I'll make my bed, like. You know, it's it's kind of, it's a bit funny, but I think what it leads into here, like, you, you, you're absolutely right where they kind of, it does a really good job at showing all kind of elements because we get some great sort of amu- um, alliance talk here, but then we get really good character scenes here. We get the, the honey stuff and then basically the Kadena wants to have an orgy stuff. Um, the the bee the, the honey stuff is fantastic. We have Xena Bee Woman that's Shona. She wants to smoke them out. They all dress up as beekeepers. We've got this incredibly weird kids music theme going on. Maybe that's that Timmy the Dog thing. I don't know. Um, and then we get Joel smacking the shit out of this. I feel so bad for the camera person who is just standing there coated in bees. And then Joel just casually walks into the water and just dunks his head. And then, fantastic Joel, Mr. Enthusiasm, life is great. Fair Dukem, honey! Oh, yeah! <laughs> and I think Je- Jeff was also involved in it, wasn't he, too? Yeah, I think 11 he gets, stings. He got stung like nine times or something. 11 he times. He one says. off his face. Yeah. So, oh, it, it is so good. It, it, it's interesting, too, because we don't, I mean, obviously, we're never going to, oh, I don't think we'll ever see a big beehive like that again on any strain survivor. Um, where they get the opportunity to to knock it down and take the honey, so yeah, it was a it was a very uh, it was a, a different sort of uh, um, sort of sequence of events, but um, yeah, it was it was 
actually quite smart how they did it. Yeah, I know. I think it's, it is. It is just it's unique. And I mean, this episode maybe can be summed up in the word unique because we're going to get a very unique challenge in just a few moments. But yeah, I mean, it's great. Like, it's just it's just fun. And like, yeah, I'm not saying we never get this now in Australian Survivor. We do get your fun kind of random little moments. I mean, the first one that springs to mind is after your boot episode. Boom, everyone's naked in the water the next morning. And yeah, let's have, you know, like it's just random little things like that that it's enjoyable to see characters. And I just think this is just, it is very random. And yeah, you're never going to see this again i don't think you have this sort of thing in samoa or fiji but then i love how it just transitions into kadena and then it's just all talking about everyone snuggling up sylvan mentions it's a little bit incestuous to which then they talk about oh if we were naked sylvan says yeah we would probably accidentally have sex kind of makes me a little bit worried about (laughs) sleeping next to sylvan and then i love dad's reaction it's like oh yeah oops (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are they doing? They're just having orgies. <laughs> well, I think S- Sylvan and Craig seem pretty happy with their with the sleeping arrangements. Obviously, you know they they it's two guys and and three women, and they're 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 happy that they're all snuggling up together. And uh, yeah, they make that pretty pretty uh, and is that evident? And is that Craig who then's like, oh, I've got a blonde on one side, I've got Deb on the. Is that it, is that they, Sylvan yeah, or is that Craig? Got- I think no, he said, no, it's Craig. He says, "Oh, I've got two blondes next to me. Yeah, one each side or something." Uh, but yeah, no, it is. It is. And, and once again, we we're talking about it before, and, that, and that's, I guess, you know, the fact that they are all in their twenties. They can, you know, they can. That that's probably where they bonded more. They can talk about that sort of stuff more. Be open. You know, they they're kind of all on the same wavelength. Where maybe if you know, like the older ones that were, you know, if they would have been around, like that sort of mood would have changed a little bit. Uh, probably. You know, we'll have to ask David, but maybe he wasn't getting snuggled up to as much as, uh, say, Craig was. Uh, we'll find that out. But uh, I also love here, uh, Deb, she talks about, she calls them the Gen X tribe by default. She says they're the Gen X tribe by default, but she wishes they weren't and wants a few older heads. She's saying, and then that's what I was saying before, like, she's aware that, oh, this is all great, we're all young, but probably not necessarily the best way to actually play Survivor. Like, you kind of do need a couple of old heads to, you know, just around not just around camp but in challenges and uh and and she knows she says if we lose another one it, it's over she knows that it that they basically got to go on a winning streak here and i think it's um testament to deb as a player because you know deb deb has a few confessionals every now and then where she kind of really does put it into context and i mean all we're getting here from craig is you know i got the good straw and this that and everything else whereas yeah i really feel that deb's still got a bit of a mind on the game and i i think it's important to note that here because Sadly, next episode, Deb's just going to get just some shit luck and Deb's just going to sadly no longer be with us. And Deb's one of the biggest what-ifs, I think, in Australian Survivor history because she she is one that, had she been healthy and they had won the next challenge, who knows what could have happened moving forward. And I think Deb was a real chance of winning this game. So, yeah, Deb's Deb's definitely one of our, sadly, our, our wasted opportunities in Australian Survivor. And I think kind of these little moments here... Um, definitely definitely show that where where she is with how she you know the potential that she had in this game no yeah completely agree it's 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 always hard when you lose a player um you know due to injury or the fact that that's why they get voted out because yeah there'll always be that um that what if you know i mean but that that is the game isn't it there's been so many players that have gone early or um you know you look at roscoe in 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 the most recent season 
Um, you know, he was doing fantastic and then, you know, broke his leg and had to lead the game and we'll never know if he would have got to the end and won. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the game and, and, and definitely Deb's in that category that uh, would have been interesting to see what, what would have happened if she um, went injury-free. Uh, injury the next thing that happens here, and I, I touched on this earlier, just, in, just going back to the cinematography of this season, we, we, we've mentioned it on a previous podcast. Obviously, this was shot before the, the you know big drones being used. It's where they actually had to have a, um, helicopters and stuff. I, this, I love this. They're, just before uh, Tribal Council, going to tri- oh, before they sorry, go to Tree Mail, um, there's this great sweeping aerial shot. It starts on the beach and it sort of goes back over the cliffs back into inland and then and then of course the next shot you see you see um rob and katie collecting the mail where obviously it's going to be for they the love the little challenge. voices do you, i do love yeah. their little robotic voices they're doing each other yeah <laughs> but yeah just just little things like that i i always like to sort of touch on them because they they were trying you know we know the budget was low but you know just little things like that like they they could have not worried about doing those sort of shots and think oh bugger it's going to cost too much money but they were trying and, and I always like mentioning them because you know it, it's they it, you've got to show some respect to it as, as fan, uh, that we know they didn't have the money to do it but they'll they're still trying to give us just little angles and different shots to you know to make it look like a, a good genuine American product no I completely agree and I think it's um yeah it is very important to point these out every now and then too and like even just like you get some um you know shots of the kangaroos bouncing on the plane you even get a shot of a koala here. I mean, like, it kind of sounds odd pointing things out that, but I don't know how much they thought about the potential that this would be seen overseas. It's not like today where people can easily put this up on the internet, whack it on YouTube. It wasn't a thing back then. We didn't have streaming services and anything back in 2002. So, um, but like, this is the thing a, a non Australian watching this, what do people want to see of Australia? They want to see kangaroos, they want to see our wildlife, our nature. You think about the Australian outback and you've got the, the crocodile going, yup, at the end of the theme and kind of seeing kangaroos and just random little things like that. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's important. And as you said, like pre-drones, this is you got to get a helicopter, you got to fly over, you've yeah. got to do the whole thing. But we get into this immunity challenge, Matt. And, look, I've said a few times this, uh, this podcast that maybe the worst challenge in the history of Australian Survivor is ever in this. This is not it. Um, this is just... A, you thought I was going to say this one. No, trust me. We will get to the worst challenge I've ever seen. But this is a immunity challenge. It's basically a driving test. We are going to have a member from each tribe blindfolded and doing a slalom course where they're driving the brand new Ford Escape to which Joel... Let's give it a bit... Yeah! 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 Joel's loving life. He wants to win a car. Um, they basically have to go through the gates. If they hit a gate, they get a penalty, which I think is a unique way. They could have easily just said, you hit a gate, five-second penalty. But they actually have to stop, run and get a flag, come back. I like that. There's a dual gate where they basically, one of them has to give way to the other. And I also then like the fact that each tribe has to choose the driver for the opposing tribe. Um, So Karen and Jane are chosen. I love Sophie, who's basically like, oh, we should choose a female because they will doubt themselves more. Um, And basically what wins this is that Craig... Uh, fresh after a good old chat about chocolate is Mr. Calm. He's just gl- glides and through and basically Kadena shit it in. And then you've got Rob being very aggressive. <laughs> and poor old Jane, who at one point doesn't even give a shit about the chance. Where are the other tribe? And shown in the background, don't worry about the other tribe. <laughs> 
<laughs> it actually made me laugh because when when the the reward challenge, how you said how excited Shona was and 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 that, yeah. Fast forward to this this immunity challenge, and she she's yelling out at Jane and ah, don't worry about that. I love oh, I love it. I love it. this is actually this was a challenge that actually suited Kadena because they are so laid back. You know, they, they are, you know, we already know that Tabara's like, most of their players are pretty full on. They're all about win, win, win and win at all costs. And, you know, they're so intense where we all know Kadena, the fact that they're doing so sh- shit is because they are way too laid back. This challenge actually required a bit of calm and a, that, just that bit of, you know, like calm and coolness to get through the course. And that's why Kadena win because you're 100% right. Craig is the one that's that's calling out um, all the sh- or, yeah about when to turn and all that, and he's just so calm, collected, and you hear Rob, and Rob is sort of losing his cool a bit, you know, and the pressure's on Jane, and Jane, Jane is not coping at all, which is going to lead us to a very great moment pre immunity challenge here when it comes to Jane and sort of laying the blame. We'll get to that, but um, yeah, absolute shit to Dingadina. One thing actually before we get to the really fun part of this challenge is. Everybody go back and watch his challenge and just watch Lincoln. Lincoln looks lost. Lincoln's just kind of doing his own thing. He's just kind of strolling around going, oh, look, there's a car over there. and Oh, look, oh, oh, they're doing well. Oh, okay. Like, Lincoln is just Mr. Nice, chilling in Whaler's way, getting a tan, wondering what the hell he's doing. Yeah, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I was actually thinking that at the end of, um, you know, after making all my notes and uh, re-watching it again, it's... At the end of it, I thought, I didn't really see much of Lincoln throughout this episode. You know, like, yeah, he's there and he's doing his stuff, but he de- it was definitely a quiet episode for Lincoln, definitely. It's just it's just funny watching him just chilling around here. And and one thing, too, that, like, going back to, like, calm Lincoln, like, oh, yeah, and we'll throw some chopper chops all this kind of stuff. Like, think about American Survivor when they had the car. It was all like... And you're going to get a Chevy 2019 amazing with power steering and all this sort of stuff. Lincoln's just like, yeah, and you're going to win yourself a brand new Ford Escape. Let's get into the challenge. Like, he's just so chilled, man. He's just like, fucking, you're going to win yourself a bloody car. Like, you know, this is like a new car. Remember, do you remember Sale of the Century? It's like, it's a new car. Or like, when you watch Price is Right and had that stupid little Larry the climbing up the mountain thing, the yodley, yodley, who. In all fairness, I think in Sale of the Century, they'll normally plan for an Audi, weren't they? Oh, well, true. This is only a Ford Escape. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> see which, which which department of Channel 9 got the bigger car budget, basically, back then. But the best part of this challenge, of course, the winning tribe, not only do they win immunity, and fantastic, Kadena, yes, they've finally won the bell. Doesn't Sylvan love it? He's making out with Karen at the end. He's dinging the bell. And bloody oath, the next 10 minutes is just going to be Kadena having an orgy with the bell. Everyone's hugging it and getting it and rooting it. Like, they're accidentally having sex with it. Clearly, the bell was naked. But the winning tribe then get an opportunity to win one. So, of course, Kadena, the young orgy Gen X tribe, are going to be swingers. They're going to reach into a bag and grab a key. They're used to it. They're young. They've done it before. And basically, they then have to press the unlock button on this and whoever gets it wins now when you're watching this you've got you've got deb you've got craig you've got karen you've got naomi and you've got 
little old Sylvan, the children's author, who just goes out and gets pissed and doesn't do anything except complain and go off into his fantasy world. Never driven in his life. But who's course going to win the bloody car? It's the guy who doesn't even drive, who doesn't even know how to unlock a car. Because what happens when he pulls out the remote? Oh, which one do I press? <laughs> And what is so funny is he presses it, and then there was hugs, and we get the, I drive now! Um, which, spoiler alert, no, he didn't. He sold the car afterwards and never drove that car a day in his life. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes down, because it, it comes down to Deb and him. And yep. so Deb's on the end, and, and he's the fourth one in line. So, so so Karen, Craig, and Naomi, they've already pressed their, their remote. It doesn't work. It doesn't open. So it, he knows it's then. It's down to 50-50. And he actually says, you hear Sylvan says, oh, he says, oh, well, I don't drive, so this should be interesting. Clicks it, car unlocks. He's like, I drive now! (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was was brilliant. Oh, I love it. Which I I guess I have to be a bit critical, though, of the editing here because I think it would have been cool to save this for a reward challenge. So then you get a reward, go for a drive, take one person with you, have some Doritos, some Lay's, drink the Solo, eat your Swiss Chalet. Because, like, basically he wins the car and then that's all you hear of it. That's it. It's like, boom, let's go straight back into post-immunity, which is a bit jar. It's a bit odd. You, You should be seeing him getting a bit more excited after that. It's, uh, it was definitely a very strange time, episode four, to be doing a car reward. And not to mention, like I think personally, a car reward, That's you, you want that later in the game. That's rewarding the players that have lasted a long time. You know, mm. what, what this is day 11. Day 11, and they're already giving away a car way too early for my liking. And, and also, I think, too, it's, I think this is actually quite important that Sylvan wins because, like, we joke and say Sylvan's head was never in the game. He never wanted to be there. But really, from this point on, he's all but checked out. And he, he admits after this game that, well, if I wasn't going to win the money, what's the next best thing? I won a fucking car. And basically, to him, that was it. That was, well, I'm not going to win. I've won a car. Don't need to be here anymore. So I think it's actually quite important that Sylvan wins this for the context of his life left in this game. He would be going next uh, if it wasn't for a certain little injury that we're going to have from Deb next week. So, um, yeah, it, it is it is interesting. But our man, Sylvan, Fantasy World, Ported Explorer, and, um, well, he obviously made a bit of money off it because he didn't drive it. He sold it. So good for you. Sylvan, well done. Um, I do love, though, this is... <laughs> I, I absolutely love this confessional that's coming up. We go back to Tapara. We're not used to seeing this. Tapara kind of having to vote someone out. And <laughs> I just... Yeah, they come back to camp. Rob's a bit like, oh, yeah, no, look, I don't know how my instructions were. Jane, I think you drove really well. Cut to Jeff. Jane drove like shit. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, yeah, I, I love Jeff. I love oh, Jeff. He's so oh, good. It, it's just <laughs> Rob's talk. <laughs> this the sequence too, how Rob's this, oh, yeah, you know, no, he did fantastic. And, you know, I, I hope, you know, like basically I hope, you know, like it was, you know, I wasn't too bad, you know, giving the advice and all this blah, blah, blah. Cuts to Jeff. Straight up. She drove like shit. Jane drove like shit. Brilliant. Like Jeff does not... <laughs> He does not. He gets straight to the point. I love him. And this is like, he was good. He was a good character. Jeff. It's just like it is shit all over Jane episode, and it's just hilarious. And like again, underrated comedy here. That like you are literally, as you say, going through this whole motions of Rob feeling bad and just straight deadpan. Jane drove like shit, and then he backs it up with the next sentence saying, 
I'm not picking her, picking on her. It's just a fact of life. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't he say like she's only 18? <laughs> yeah, she's only, only 18 and she did her best, but it wasn't good enough. Oh my god! But like, yeah, and that just shows. I mean, then once again, like Jeff, 52. Jane, 18, like, they live in completely different worlds. I mean, Jane's making her bed and washing the car occasionally. You know, <laughs> Jeff's been, by that stage, what, been a police officer for 30 years and has got medals and all sorts of stuff. So they live in, they live in a totally different world. And it's, it, it, I would have loved to have seen more of Jeff and Jane just sort of throughout the game. I thought that was a really interesting storyline for yeah. Tapara. And, uh, yeah, I, I got, a good, uh, got a good laugh out of it while it lasted. I have to say, like, it's very unique editing here too, though, because it's kind of, you know, we've seen, like, you see a bit of, of Tapara, but generally we're seeing Orkadina here. But I do kind of like the balance here because you actually spread out the, the, the connections between both sort of tribes that you're seeing here. But I think we'll just, we'll just chill over the Kadena stuff here because, I mean, it's just, it's just basically them humping the bell. Um, it, that's all it really is. And we kind of get, the, oh, we're going to have the greatest comeback of all time. We're going to come back here. Um, what is, like, Sylvan, like, basically takes the bell to them as they're waking off, waking up. And it's like, who wants to hug the bell? And Craig's got the, oh, we got the bloody bell. Um, and then they end up getting rosemary bushes to, like, put in a bed or something, and Naomi's, again, great confessional for Naomi, I don't have to go to the stupid boat. <laughs> well, well uh, they start doing all that because they finally have a, a free day, because day normally off. they'd yeah. be having to get ready to the tribal or start working out, you know, okay, well, who's going to go home and all that. So they finally, you know, finally have a... Um, have a day where they can just relax and do some stuff around a camp. So yeah, that's why they start. They try to start making better living conditions around camp, and they trying to cushion their sleeping uh, sleeping habits. So it's um, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely interesting. Obviously, Kadena in good spirits. Which then goes into some very unique Tapara stuff, and I think this is one of these ones that I kind of forgot actually how this is maybe our very first time in Australian Survivor. We've actually got a decent amount of what we're used to now, the pre-tribal, where we've legitimately got people backing and forthing and who's going to vote for who. Like, okay, we got a bit of that with David last episode and, you know, that was kind of there. But this is like legitimate new school survivor with what we've got because we've basically got Katie flat out going, yeah, Jane's going to go. We're going to vote for Jane. We even get Jane going to Katie. So am I, Dave, tonight. Katie's like, honestly, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's... I love how she does a little smile before she tells her to. She, yep. she, she, you can see she's thinking about it. She's like, do I lie to her? Do I lie to her? But then she starts smiling. And she's like, it's a, yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah. 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 And I, like you get Jeff here kind of saying like, look, it's not over to the fat lady sings. I'm going to try and work on getting some votes. So it's, it's kind of there, a little bit laying the lines of, you know, seeds of what's going to happen here. We've got a great little moment of Jane and Rob playing slap hands, um, which is kind of interesting. And then Jeff going to Rob and basically saying, you know, I'm stronger than Jane. This is where we get the Jeff moment of, oh, I'm going to get like permission from Rob, basically, of what we're going to do. But then we get this like amazing little moment, which I completely forgot about. And Rob, all hail the Grandmaster Rob here, because it really is coming down to Joel. Joel is basically the swing vote here as to what is going to happen here. So we've got this moment between Joel and Rob. They're talking about the votes. They sort of are talking about, oh, yeah, no, I think it's going to be Jane. And then Rob, subtle little, we could always go to plan B. And then Joel's kind of like, 
Yeah, no, look, I wasn't thinking about that before, but maybe I'll have to rethink that. Like, it's just, it's brilliant. Like, it's just, going back to what we talked about this whole episode about Rob just being Mr. Cool, Calm, Collective there, and just kind of laying a little bit, and then all it takes is Mr. Joel, who, let's be honest, is going to be the most important swing vote in this entire game. Rob's doing it to him right here, right now, and who is the one who basically gets that vote over the line to get rid of Jeff in just a few moments? Well, absolutely, because, of course, Joel does end up voting for Jeff. So, um, so yeah, it, it, what Rob did absolutely worked. And, and by the sounds of it, Joel had already mind up, made up his mind that uh, he was going to vote for Jane. But I'm a little bit concerned. It didn't seem to take much persuading either. Like, <laughs> Rob just sort of said, well, what's plan B? And he's like, oh, well, it's Jeff. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, let's, yeah. So, <laughs> a little bit concerned about that, how easily he switched. But, um, yeah, credit to, to Rob. He obviously got in his ear and... Um, and uh, it worked because he, he ended up changing his vote. And what's also very fascinating too, if you look at the alliance of four, um, Rob's the only one and Sophie are the only ones who vote. Like Katie and Shona both vote for Jane, uh, which is kind of an interesting little thing there as well. Um, but I also do love that little moment just before we go to tribal when Rob's essentially talked Joel into it and all of a sudden thunder happens and Rob's basically like, oh, look, God's not even happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think actually kind of weirdly plays into Rob's hand because I, I don't know if he's deliberately doing that to Joel because Joel obviously is somebody who's very strong on his convictions and kind of his, you know, feelings and being loyal and all that kind of thing. And I don't really know if Joel's super religious, but I mean, it kind of, it seems to be something that is easily swayable with Joel. So um, just a great little subtle moment, which you've really got to appreciate in this version of the game. And again, adding to the underappreciative that this season has, oh, there's no strategy. It's boring. Nothing happens. I mean, episode four, here we are. Look at this. It would have been interesting if, 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 Joel hadn't swapped, it would have been then, of course, 4-4, um, what would have ended up happening. I mean, that would have had a big impact in the game. It could have potentially changed the game. It could have potentially not changed the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll never know, but um, what would have they done, too, if it was a tie? Would No prior votes, would either, because uh, that no, was back cause... when prior votes. I reckon that would have been a re-vote, and then they might have just gone to a, a trivia chat. I mean, that's what we saw in Africa, I, but there yeah. was no precedent at this point. We'd only seen it in Australian Outback, and that went to pass votes. We didn't have a full-on tie-tie until Africa, so I don't know if that episode had aired yet uh, when they were filming. So I really don't know. I mean, we, we know how much they had to make things up on the spot a lot of the way here because of, of how they had to film this season. So, yeah, it would have been very unique. But it's kind of, it's interesting. The shit all over Jane episode, I, I feel you get so much more. I, you really feel Jane's going home in this episode until kind of last minute it's sort of Jeff. But um, I think the one thing, though, is I don't really think much changes. If Jane goes instead of Jeff, Nothing really changes, I don't think, in the dynamic of Tapara. So, because I mean, let's be honest: who's the next? This is this is the only Tapara vote out we will have until the merge, and Lance is the next one to go. Um, and that's basically just because there's there's not you know he's a little bit less loyal than Jane, and kind of just probably a little bit more dangerous to go forward than Jane. So, I mean, it's it's interesting to think that from this point on, uh, there's going to be, what, six more episodes until we see another Tapara member go home. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, th- I think with Jeff, too, I think the fact that he, he did go home, I, it, it probably, obviously, snoring was an issue. They, they made a big deal of that throughout the whole season so far that, you know, people are getting hungry, tired, it's cold, and he's always snoring, keeping them up. And, and the fact he was the oldest member of their tribe too. So there's a couple of things that weren't going for him. But I, I, I sort of got the feeling that he, he was a well-liked member of the tribe. Um, so I don't think – it wasn't the case where, I guess, with David 
in the Kadena tribe where they just sort of didn't trust him or he, he was sort of a bit too different for him. Um, I think in the end it was just, well, someone had to go. It was him or Jane. And it's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? First vote for Tapara, and it comes down to the oldest member uh, who's 52 and the, the youngest at 18. So it's sort of, uh, that's an interesting little, if you look at it like that too, um, p- people are always looking for a reason to vote someone out of their tribe first. And, yeah, on this occasion it was um, yeah, an 18-year-old up against a, a 52-year-old. And sadly, for all our um, fruit and nut lovers, it hadn't been a good start for them either because, I mean, no one uh, basically under the age of, uh, what, 34 had been voted out at this point. David was the youngest, but Lucinda was 43, Tim was 51, Jeff 52. So um, lots of uh, fruit and nut happening back at the uh, Whalers <laughs> Way in Port Augusta, do you, uh, Port Lincoln, sorry, do you reckon? Uh, definitely, definitely. Got yeah, a lot of fruit and nut. Not a whole lot really to talk about this tribal either. Um, I do love um, Dick Lincoln. So, Jeff, how are you sleeping, mate? Storing an issue? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do also like the, the vote-outs. Um, you know, Rob's like, oh, decorated policeman really needs to sleep. And Shona, nothing personal, Jane. You've just lost the most body weight. So, I love Shona's reasoning for voting. Jane, you're too skinny. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, so with the voting, we saw yeah Rob Shona and Jeff um, sort of talk about their vote, and and uh, Jeff saying you know he apologises to Jane and says she's a lovely kid, um, but you're doing it hard. So you know that's his reason for voting. Like I said, I think they all they all liked each other. I think that they got along. It wasn't um, that wasn't why Jeff got voted out, and it wasn't why Jane got votes. It just came down to uh, you know they needed a reason, and then and the oldest and the youngest that was good enough, but. yeah, Shona, with the votes too. So we had the five votes for Jeff. That was Rob, Jane, Joel, Sophie, and Lance. Uh, and the three votes for Jane was Shona, Katie, and Jeff. It's interesting because so it, it, Katie's talking about how close she's with Shona. And, of course, we know Rob and Shona are close. But but Katie and Shona vote together and Rob doesn't vote with them mm. or, or they don't vote with Rob. So even that uh, – because there was no need. Like, they they only needed one, you know je- – um, Sort of two votes for for Jane. So, but yeah, Katie and Shona stuck with Je- um, with Jeff and voted out uh, Jane, where where Shona could have easily just just voted voted for Jeff. So, yeah, even though they were obviously in a tight alliance, they're still not quite voting altogether. You you wonder if this is maybe the first case of a true split vote. I mean, obviously split votes are done now for idols, but uh, I mean, it really did seem that this doesn't affect the alliance at all. It's not like they no. back the next morning like, "What the fuck did you do this? I thought we were going to do this." Like, kind of, yeah, and no. even even through what you hear Katie and that saying, it's. I think at the end of the day, they're they're fine with either of them going. So maybe this could be a case of just splitting the votes, and then boom, you get Joel. But um, one run one real little subtle moment in the tribal which plays into my queen Katie. Watch Katie's hand. She puts her hand on Jane's shoulder as the votes are starting to be read out. And this is a woman who's just voted for her, as if to say, like, oh, it's going to be okay, dear. I've just voted for you, and you're about to leave the game. But just go back and watch it. It's just really subtle. She places her hand on Jane's shoulder as the votes are starting to be read out. Well, I'll have to go back and watch that, because yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't notice that. It's great. It's so great. Um, just a couple of things on Jeff um, from the official guide. Uh, he... Lists his hair colour as salt and pepper. Um, he's afraid of the dark as his phobia. His luxury item was toilet paper. And thieves piss him off. Uh, so that's interesting. His favourite colour, dark blue. He loves the smell of bacon cooking, kefir lime leaves. Uh, his favourite sports team are the Australian cricket team and the ACT Brumbies. 
Now, we mentioned this already in this episode, Matt. His favourite TV show, Burke's Backyard, as well as Survivor. Um, he loves a bit of Denzel Washington, Tom Hanks, Nicole Kidman. He loves a bit of country music, loves reading Geographic, uh, National Geographic and Women's Weekly. And his favourite chocolate or lollies is chocolate-coated ginger and picnic bar. And uh, he loves a bit of scotch and dry and ginger beer. Now, the other thing, too, that I've actually managed to pick up in our little break, I've, I've mentioned, I think, a few times in this show, though, the one keepsake I had from Australian Survivors, I had an old Herald Sun article, which I pasted in an old high school homework diary of mine. I shared the image on our social media pages, and I, I've printed that with me. And this was a, a pre-season form guide done by a journo by the name of Luke Dennehy. Big shout-out to Luke Dennehy. I'm sure he's listening. And uh, he gave a star rating for each of the contestants of their likelihood to win out of five, and then gave pros and cons for each of the players. So for Jeff... He had his pros as tough and passionate, but a softy, and his cons could be seen as a threat early on. He gave him a four out of five chance of winning the game. Wow. Well, mm. well, while you've got it there, seeing we're, we're, we're already four episodes in, can you read uh, the, the first three, Lucinda, Tim, and, and David? Absolutely. Lucinda, her pros were older women have always been successful on Survivor. Well, I guess at that point, Tina won and Sue got towards the end, so fair enough. Uh, her experience will count. Cons, physical strength may see an early exit. She had a three-and-a-half star rating. Uh, then we had Tim. His pros were describes himself as animated, which could put people off from the beginning. Cons, enjoys hunting and fishing, so could be a valuable asset. He had a three out of five rating. Now, I'm sad to say here, Mr. Mr. Dyson, that your man David had the lowest rating out of anyone. Only two and a half stars. Sylvan at least got three. But uh, David was seen as pros. Like original winner Richard Hatch, he is quirky. Cons. Now, this is something which I'm glad we've discovered because when it comes to interviewing him, this is a question we are asking him. Once worked as a nude bartender in a swingers club and could be too different for most contestants. <laughs> there was a reason why I wanted you to read out the first three and I'm telling you what, that was the whole reason. <laughs> so good. I just have been looking here actually, and we'll go through these each week, but um yeah, I mean this I have mentioned this before that Rob was picked as a favourite straight away and boom, five stars. He's the one that uh, Luke Dennehy said a clear favourite. So, look, I, it'd be interesting to maybe track down Luke and say, like, hey, did you have insider knowledge here? Did you know were you spoiled? But, I mean, boom, straight away, he's he's the only one who's got a five-star. The closest to the five-star ratings of anyone else uh, on this, uh, two people got four-and-a-half stars. They were Deb and Katie. Um, so, there you go, that, that Deb thing that we're talking about. And others who got four-star chances, Karen got a four-star chance, Naomi got a four-star chance, uh, Jeff, as we mentioned, got a four-star chance as well. So, uh, interesting. And Sylvan, three stars. So, you know, <laughs> each to their own. <laughs> what did Shona get? Uh, Shona got three and a half. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting. So, uh, yeah, that, that's if you want to see that for one, just hit us up on social media. You can find them there uh, as well. David got the lowest rating because this journo, he knew that he was 20 years before his time. <laughs> uh, Jeff's closing words, he mentions, uh, yeah, we'll be friends forever. Any any parting words on, on Jeff? No, I, I liked him. I know um, he's probably not everyone's sort of 
cup of tea and uh, or, or sort of favourite character. But uh, I thought he was good for the season, definitely. And, and and I've said this before. I think I could relate to his sort of humour and um, you know the fact that uh, you know I'm a police officer as well. And um, you know he he just would have done so much in his life, and especially compared to to you know not necessarily his tribe because he he was on a on a tribe that had also done a lot. He it'd be, would have been interested to see him in Kadena tribe. Actually, that would have. Uh, been very interesting but um but you yeah, know I, I think he was a good character i can see why he got picked um you know he, he went out sort of humble humble he he knew it was just a, a tactical decision in the end for him to be voted off and um you know and we do know afterwards we do know he sort of he did you know in the lucinda interview he talked he, um he said he had um lucinda told us that he came and visited her sort of a a year or two after the the show finished and stuff but you know obviously over time um People, uh, you know, especially back then, sort of um, fall out of contact with each other. And I'll just let everyone know, like, I've tr- I'm having a bit of difficulty tracking down Jeff. I've I've uh, made a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails and messages, and uh, I'm still working on I'm, I'm not giving up on the fact that um, I can't find Jeff at this stage. Um, he's definitely someone I want to speak to, but you got to also understand that, um, you know, he was, he was 52 when he played the game. We're now 18 years on, so... Um, you know, he's probably not going to be all over social media, is he? So, uh, you know, I'm not going to give up. Hopefully one day we uh, we get to interview Jeff and talk to him more about uh, his experiences on the show. I believe uh, was a bit of a, a hero too around the uh, Canberra bushfires that happened a couple of years after this too, I think 2003. So, um, yeah, decorated, decorated serviceman uh, through a variety of different uh, fields, I believe. So um, yeah, he, he he won a medal. He won a medal when he was in his twenties, um, and that was due to a, a flood where, um, yes, yeah, so unfortunately, some people um, didn't make it, and um, he sort of uh, was pretty heroic in the fact that he got in there. And uh, uh, I believe um, I've sort of read the article a fair while ago now, but um, you know, he sort of helped some people. Um, you know, from the floods and, um, yeah, and he, he got a very high, I can't remember what the medal was, but it was a very sort of distinguished medal and that was while he was in his 20s and then uh, then he became, uh, later on in his career, he became a communications, um, yeah, in a police officer in the communications section. Um, but, yeah, so, look, I'm definitely going to try to track him down. I have been, I can guarantee you that. It's just some of these older players are a little bit harder just to find because there's no social media footprint, but, uh you know, I won't give up until uh, every stone's hunt, uh, turned to turn. So. Next episode, um, Sylvan wants to quit. I think that's all we need to know, right? <laughs> like <laughs> Sylvan, next week, she's like, Sylvan, I want to quit. <laughs> with, with the, you know, what's going on next week part, yeah, it was all basically all about Sylvan. He's done. He's ready to quit. Of course, he's re- he says, of course, I'm ready to quit. Yeah. Of course, I'm ready to go home. So... We sort of we know this has been leading up to it, but uh, Sylvan's done. He's won his car. He's won his Ford Escape. He's done. And also, um, just quickly, um, this is our first ever taste of winning some prizes, too, isn't it? We've got uh, this bit of a promo going forward to win five thousand dollars cash every single week. Um, get your tokens, your solos, your Pepsis, all that sort of stuff. Um, and again, like, I mean, look, we joke about it, like it's it's a bit corny, but like again, we we never see this nowadays with um with Channel Ten. Like, it's I don't think they've ever had a. I think didn't Lee try to give away a Holden at some point during um season four? But um, That's right. yeah, but like I mean, it's it's just kind of that corny kind of weird stuff that I actually really really like. Um, and I don't know if maybe should we, should we just quickly try and ring this number? I mean, I know we tried that one before. But um, 
No, fuck it. Let's Give try it. it. This could be a sex line or something like that. But, I mean, you know. So, so the number at home, kids. Uh, well, actually, not kids. I shouldn't say that, if, particularly if it's a sex line. Uh, to win $500,000. <laughs> Shit, Ben. Um, so I'm just going to dial this number live. We have not tested this. This is completely on the spot here. So it's one... It- if, if ben, ben Dark answers this, and he's still, <laughs> I'm done. I am done. All right, one nine hundred nine double five seven seven seven. So let's just make sure I'm calling Australia here because we don't want to call a United States one nine hundred number. So this is completely live. Let's just uh, give this a try right now and see what happens here. Um, did that even? Oh, here we go. Don't know what's happening. I'm saying it's calling, Matt. Ah, oh, it's blocked by Skype. Ah, oh, that's disappointing. That 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 happened last time, did it not? When we tried to ring that, it said it's blocked by Skype. It did. It did. I know. So we're not having much luck with that number. I still, I still reckon it's it's, it's probably like loss, where you know, like someone's still underneath, yeah, doing the numbers every hundred and eight minutes or whatever. So still, someone hasn't been told that hey, the promo ended. How, how, about we, how about we just try? Look, 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 I'm going to try and do this on my own phone here because that's not on Skype. So I'll just whack this on um, speaker. Again, I'm calling this from New Zealand, Matt, so this might be just not even do it. Let's put this on speaker here, see what happens. We didn't recognize the number you dialed. Oh, goodness. Come on. Give me the on. number again, Ben. All right, okay. Third time lucky. All right, one nine hundred. Yep. Nine double five. Yep. Triple seven. All right, this is all live podcasting here to see if we can still win $500,000 18 years later. It's no longer available. It's a sex line, let's be honest. It's um, it's going to have like, Cindy, hi, how are you doing? Um, but anyway, anyone at home, call up. If you get any success and you speak to Cindy, uh, let us know what's going on. Right, Matt, uh, we've teased. We've said what's going on um, when it comes to a little bit of an exciting announcement, and I think now is the time that we can announce what is going on. We have mentioned uh, a few times, I think, around the fact that there was never a buff made for Aurora when we get to the merge. It's a very unique distinction in Survivor history that there was never a merge buff made for Australian Survivor Season 1. So with some help from some friends of ours who have managed to uh, have some connections, we have managed to get made up for the very first time in history a buff for the Aurora tribe. That is right, an Australian Survivor Season 1 exclusive here on the Australian Survivor archives, a buff for that tribe. Now, we have got only a very limited number of these buffs. And what we're going to do right now, as you, the dedicated, loyal listeners you are, we are going to give away two of these buffs to two of you listening to this. And all you will have to do is when we share the image of Matt Dyson with his cherry ripe, looking all happy and Larry, just as Shona was, you need to make sure that you like the post and you share the post on Facebook. And also, you have to have liked our page on Facebook as well for it to count. And you can also enter on Instagram. You have to follow us on Instagram as well as liking the post. So you've got to make sure that you do that. And we'll also open it up to Twitter as well. Follow us on Twitter. So you can basically have three entries into this draw if you do it on all three of our services. But as long as you do it on one 
Bob's your uncle, you're in the draw, and we will choose a lucky winner, and we will even post it to you. We will even pay for the postage. Look at us with our very small budget. So you and I, Matt, have had a look at these. Uh, they, they, they look fantastic. We will post a picture of this on the weekend so you can see it and then we can make sure that you are aware of the competition. But uh, this is this is something very exciting, something that we're, we're thrilled to be able to offer people out there. Yeah, it's definitely one thing that I, I guess any fan of Australian Survivor, especially season one, you know, they've always questioned why was there no Aurora buff? And, and even the colour, like it, it's a... It's a grey. It's a Aurora was was grey, a grey colour. It was even a weird colour. But uh, you know, there's always that question. And, and we actually, in a later interview that we'll uh, have at the end of end of this season, we we, we asked that big hard hitting question of why was there no Aurora buff, and we we do get the answer to that. But um, we now have one. We now have an Aurora buff, and there's a very limited number, very limited number. And uh, yeah, so so get in there, show your support for uh, ASA. Show your support for these buffs, um, yeah, and, and you might be lucky enough to to grab yourself one. And and it, it really is a, a unique opportunity to to own something that, you know, this isn't exactly something that you know is ever really going to be released again, or kind of something that you're going to be able to easily buy from from shops because it's never been released before until we're literally right here having them uh, made off. So. Yeah, I think this is a great little uh, opportunity for people to be able to to get something unique. And I know there's a lot of buff collectors out there. So, um, yeah, this is definitely something unique. So, yeah, keep keep an eye on our social media. As I said, uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us out there on all the uh, relevant um, social media products. And uh, a special shout-out to, to uh, Headskins. They're the company who has sort of helped us out here a little bit as well. And a big shout-out, too, to uh, our good friend Cable, who has kind of uh, taken a bit of initiative here to get some of these made and an exclusive for our Australian Survivor Archive listeners when it comes to winning these as well. But, uh, yeah, great opportunity. Stay tuned, and this is a chance to own a very unique piece of history. But, Matt, we will be back next week for another episode. As I said, we're back to our weekly episode episodes as well episode five is our next episode recap we've also got some interviews in the pipeline as well so if you want to know what actually will be on episode 10 next week then the easiest way to do is exactly what i've just been teasing for the last couple of minutes is follow us on twitter you can like us on facebook you can follow us on instagram and that's where you've got to go to win those prizes anyway but Easiest way as well, if maybe you're not a social media savvy person you just want to get these episodes direct to your device Give us a smash on the button that is subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever the kids are calling it these days, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on available on all of them. And if you're there, we really would appreciate a couple of moments of your time. Give us a rating out of five. Give us some feedback. It does help us out there on iTunes. Big shout out to our New Zealand listeners because we made the top five uh, recently over Christmas when it came to the TV podcast there over in New Zealand. So uh, great to see that my new adopted homeland where I'm living right now is following us a little bit more. But uh, it does help us go out there on the charts, which means get small listeners. And we really do appreciate what we're getting right now. And, of course, it helps a little bit more. And, Matt, of course, as we mentioned every single week, Get to 1,000 followers on Instagram. We're going to see a certain uh, little video of yours. Get to 500 followers on Instagram. We get to see Matt swing on a vine. It's win-win for everyone. Well, maybe this uh, this little buff uh, competition might uh, help 
get that to uh, be seen quicker. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, no, big, big thanks, especially to Cable. I know you've already said it, but, um, yeah, he organised um, all that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to finally have some Aurora bus. And it's great to be great to be back doing ASA 2020. What a year this is going to be. Feels Can't amazing. Can't wait, Ben. Absolutely. Oh, I'm like loving being back and uh, always love talking Whalers Way with you, mate. My life was empty without you, Matt. I didn't know what to do over Christmas. It was it was weird, but here we are, and uh, we're getting straight back into the swing of things, and we hope that you are enjoying this little journey that we are taking you on every single week. My name is Ben, and I'm just going to go suck myself until my insides explode. And my name's Matt Dyson, and I may not be 55, but I love the fruit and nut. Snack chocolate's the sort of chocolate you take to uh, someone's house if you don't know what they like. We are the famous Friday. Oh, my name's Julia Stick and Aunt George and Timmy the dog. And fruit and nuts are what you take to someone's house if they're over 55, because that's just the way it is. And Swiss Chalet, you just chew it on the spot until all the chocolate melts and you left with a toffee bit in your mouth. It'd be great to go in there and beat them and, you know, just sort of to stick it up them a bit, I guess. The caramello and the peppermint just suck until the inside explodes. You were cool. Really good. Very, very cool. And if I yelled a bit, we were still reacting calmly, so that was bad. Jane drove like shit. But the best of all is the black forest that you put in the microwave and two minutes to stir it all up and then you just eat the cherries and the biscuits out of it. That's just funny and I just love my chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Constituted something very close to. Oh, oh yeah! This is really probably accidentally have sex with me. Oh. <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> My mistake. I got two blondes on either side. It's great. I don't drive. Well, this is a, this is an omen. Which one? Unlock okay. the other one. Oh! <laughs> I drive now. <laughs> But you know, you know what? You've you've taken me back from having a, from having made a decision to now having um, a thing. Dave's gone. Get over it.